Welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. In this podcast, we take a reading from Scripture each day. We look at the background material to that passage and also application for us. Once again, welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. Welcome to the Illuminated Word, where we daily uh, exegete Scripture and talk about some contemporary significance for our lives. Our Scripture today is found in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. We'll read and then get into it a little bit. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. You'll notice right off the bat that this is very different than Matthew's version. The Didache, an early Christian document, reads, sounds a lot like Matthew chapter 6, verses 9-13, through 13, which is an extended version of what we just read. Matthew's prayer has about 54 words in the Greek, compared to Luke's 38 words. So there is a, a, significant, dif- a significant difference there in length. It's, it's interesting that Luke has a shorter version. Maybe that precludes the idea that Luke's gospel came first, Matthew came later and, and ex- expanded, maybe had a different source as to where that prayer came from. Um, Luke is probably pulling this from some type of Hebrew source. We know that Luke... Um, used a lot of different sources in compiling his gospel. In this particular section, the central section of Luke, which is like chapter 9 through like 19 or something like that, uh, his Hebraisms, Hebrew idioms and and words and and things like that, increases by 400% compared to the first half and the last half of his gospel. So it's really interesting that uh, the prayer falls in this section and the prayer sounds so different than the one we find in the Gospel of Matthew. None of those things affect our reading, though. Uh, both prayers are uh, have the same components and, and give to us the same ideas and what our prayers should look like. You'll notice that in the Gospel of Luke, prayer always become, comes before a big moment. Um, whether it be before a baptism, before uh, you know a big teaching, before whatever, uh, before um, the crucifixion. A lot of big moments in the third gospel, Jesus prays beforehand. Here it signifies Jesus' focus on Jerusalem. He is now moving towards that direction um, as, as the whole book, book of Luke has, has, has led up to at this point. You'll see that there is this request that they learn a prayer, the disciples learn a prayer, because John's disciples learned a special prayer uh, that John taught them. And this is really common. Disciples of Jewish rabbis would often ask their teachers to teach them a prayer that would differentiate their school or their group from another one. So it makes sense that the disciples ask this. They want something that differentiates them from other people. And Jesus gives into this request, probably not for the same purposes that, you know, that they requested the prayer, 
un- undoubtedly Jesus does want to communicate to them a a good way to speak to the Father, a good you know general outline structure to use. In verse two, you're going to notice that Jesus uses the term Father, which is it's a very personal word. It's a personal word that's never really used in the Old Testament, although God is referred to as a Father. It's it's only um, personal in the sense that Father is being used there, and I'm speaking specifically of Acts 4, Deuteronomy 32, Jeremiah 31, Malachi 2. All of those are specific um, personal uses of the word Father in a communal sense for the nation of Israel, not the individual. All references of God as Father come from Jesus in prayer or in his teaching to the disciples. That's an interesting thing. One one word here that I think is worth bringing up that's been brought up in, in circles here, you know, in the past several years, maybe even decades, but that hasn't really made it, I, I don't think, into popular discussion much, is the term daily bread in, in, in verse 3. Several sources confirm that the term daily bread should be seen as a future request, not a present one. It's not give us today our daily bread so that we can eat it today. Um, and here's kind of some argumentation for that uh, presented to us uh, from Edward's commentary on the book of Luke. One, there are many more mundane words that Luke could have employed to refer to daily. Several other words he could have used to refer to the, the idea of daily. But instead he uses a different word. Jerome... Um, early church father here, cites that the Hebrew gospel, according to Matthew, uh, he claims that there's, and there's no reason to doubt him, there's a Hebrew version of the the gospel of Matthew before the Greek one came along. Um, Jerome cites the Hebrew gospel, according to Matthew, saying it has, give us today our tomorrow bread. Yeah, I know that sounds weird, but I think it's got a cool idea behind it. Give us today our tomorrow bread. It, it would also match up with the two previous statements regarding the kingdom of God being realized on earth, right? Uh, Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. So it kind of makes this all, uh, you're looking to the future, but things that are actually going on right now. You're, the kingdom of God is coming to earth right now, in the presence of the, of the gospel, of the good news of Jesus Christ. And it's the same idea with this bread. We're, we're looking for the promises of tomorrow that are being realized today. Um, therefore, this petition for daily bread is more than a prayer for material blessing in the present. It's a prayer that believers may, by grace, view the present through the promise of the future and model mundane life according to eternal ethics. Maybe that sounds a little more convoluted than, than we need to, to put it. Um, you live out today knowing the expectation that you have in Jesus Christ. You know what's going to happen to you. There's no fear of judgment. Uh, there's no condemnation in Jesus Christ. You live a totally different way today because of what's tomorrow. You know that you're going to receive tomorrow's bread so you can live today as you should as you're being called to. Uh, In verse 4, we have an interesting 
way of phrasing this forgiving and forgiving, uh, being forgiven by God, forgiving other people. Because here we have a distinction between two words. We have forgive us our sins as we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. Two, two different ways. This is not the way that Matthew sounds. Two different words being used. And maybe right off the bat you catch it. Uh, sins referring to offenses against God uh, versus things which may be owed to us, things that people have done that they need to uh, to return, whether through forgiveness or, or, or whatever else. So there's, so there's a, a bigger thing going on here. We might be seeing Jesus saying that the things we've done against God are much worse. They're sins, transgressions against God, which is much worse than what other people have done to us. He has more to forgive than we do. Why aren't we just forgiving people? Why aren't we forgiving those who do evil to us? Because the evil people do to us is not the the offense that we have made to our God by continually being disobedient and hateful and a lot of other ugly adjectives we could throw in there. The last little bit of this prayer is is simple, one-liner, and lead us not into temptation. There's big implications there. There's a there's many signs of humility behind that phrase. See this third petition, as Edwards phrase it, is a confession of weakness and a prayer for faithfulness. Lead me not into temptation, because I realize that if it's up to me, I will go into temptation gladly, willingly. I'll run to it. I need your strength, God. Lead me not into temptation. I've got you by the hand. You are the one who's guiding my steps. Don't lead me there. Uh, keep me faithful. Keep me strong. Uh, this is, while a shortened version of Matthew's prayer has all the significance of Matthew's version, has all the significance, the theological implication of Matthew's version. It's a really great structure to how we should we should be ordering our prayers as well. There is adoration, there is confession, there is thanksgiving, there is supplication, there is all of those, you know, our ACTS acronym for prayer. It's all here. It's a really great formulation of a prayer, and it's it's short, it's simple, and that also fits alongside the other teachings that Matthew 6 gives us where our prayers don't have to be lengthy. You don't have to make this great case before God. Trust me, your words aren't worth it. There's there's no convincing you can do to God. You No great convincing you can do to, uh, to make a greater case than a, a simple word will do. Uh, and that's maybe uh, a difference between Matthew and Luke here. Luke has a really great prayer, really great things to take from it. So I hope you you are praying daily. I hope you're also looking for ways to love and serve your neighbor in genuine and sincere ways. Peace and love.